And we're back. My name's Luke. I'm Mike. And I'm Brent. And we're the Grizz Fan Podcast. Thanks for being with us. Fellas, let's get down to business and talk about last week's game versus Monmouth. Yeah, you know, kind of a weird, weird game. I mean, they won, finished conference, pre-conference, or, or pre whatever you want to call the four games we just played. <laughs> the first four. The first four, uh, three and one, which is honestly as good as we could have hoped. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and some people were picking them to lose one, so. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people were saying we should be in good shape if we're two and two, and obviously better shape if we're in three and one. So you look at what a lot – what. Of course, the the general talk is if you look at the big picture of the playoffs, you want at least seven wins, eight helps, and uh, we've got three qualifiable Division One wins, which is more than anyone except for I believe Montana State in our conference can say. So, I mean, we're we're in a good spot. We've got the toughest part of our schedule still in front of us, of course, but it's uh, it's good to be three and one, and I mean that's really the best we could be at this point, and it's not like. The Grizz are playing perfect football, but we hear this from Bobby a lot. Like he doesn't want to be playing perfect football in September. He wants to be playing it in November. November. Yeah, yeah. So um, almost 600 yards of offense, 579, 358 yards passing, 221 yards rushing. Sneed was uh, player of the week in at least one award, and so was Flowers. Correct? Yeah, Flowers got special teams player of the week. Yeah, were yeah. those Big Sky Conference players? Big of the Sky. Week? Yeah, oh, right. Big Sky. I saw the Idaho defender that got the Big Sky Conference made the the big list, the stats, uh, FCS. But well, when your team upsets Eastern East Washington. Washington and everybody thinks you're awful, you deserve to be on those lists. <laughs> you need a little sunshine. <laughs> I might have even swallowed a Mason Petrino sighting. I don't know how he did in that game. <laughs> No, we we played really well. We uh, Marcus Knight had 148 on the ground with a touchdown. He had one of the coolest runs, yeah, I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it looked like a Madden glitch. Yeah, exactly. Like he put his arm down, broke tackles, <laughs> rolled over a guy. I mean, it was awesome. I only wish he could have scored a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, and um, it, I mean that. Yeah, it's too bad he didn't get in, but hell of a run. I mean, one of the and. It's interesting, um, two weeks earlier against North Alabama, he had a, not as impressive, but it was a touchdown, though, where he like shook off a horse collar-type tackle. And so this guy seems to really peel off the highlight runs when he's in Washington Grizzly. Yeah. I mean, four weeks ago, I didn't really know who this guy was. <laughs> Did you guys see this coming? I think no. in spring camp you saw flashes of, oh, he's fast. But that was it. But in spring camp, you were like, he's never going to see the field because he was a little bit fumbly. Yep. And he obviously didn't know the offense yet. So you were just like, man, they're going to have to come up with some plays and space to get in the ball. <laughs> Which well, is why you shouldn't overreact to spring camp. I think, um, <clears throat> didn't we in our first podcast, he said Drew Turner would be the starter at some point? I, Which I, I thought he very well still could be. Which, and the premise of <laughs> Bobby was going to have people come in and beat Eastwood. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, that's happened. Yeah. Which guys? A little bit wrong here. <laughs> but Knight, man, he's sophomore. Excited to have him. Yeah. When was the last time we had a other than Dalton Sneed, a hundred yard rusher? Did Eastwood, Eastwood get it once last year? Yeah, that Cal the Cal Poly game on the road. Yeah, yeah. sporadically. But, but but I mean, yeah, not. I was looking at the not stats. with any consistency for a while. No, 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 definitely not. And like I went, I had pulled up the uh, the conference wide 
leaders in rushing. And Knight's fourth right now. He's got 303 yards. And so outside of that Oregon game, throw that game out where he had like 21 yards or something. Mm -hmm. uh, Almost, almost, right? So let's just say he's averaging 90 yards a game. I mean, um, we haven't had a rusher like that in a while. It would be awesome to have a 1,000-yard rusher just because – you know, our identity always used to be we could throw the ball, but we also could run it. And I, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about our O line. They did some different things this week. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, sticking with the offense, we had a very balanced diet from a bunch of wide receivers and tight ends. Mm-hmm. Jerry Louis McGee led the way with six catches. Um, Mitch Roberts had five in a, in a pretty awesome stretch. Colin Bingham, Bryson Deming, Gabe Solser, Sammy Akem, all with four. Samari Torre, arguably our best receiver. He had three. Like, I, it's just got to be a nightmare trying to figure out as a D coordinator who the hell you're going to uh, focus on. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you see things where it's like, oh, he, like, so Sneed hit eight targets in the game. Um, but sometimes it'll be like, oh, he connected with this guy five times, this guy four times, and everyone else caught like one or two. But it's like this. It's like six catches, five, and then four of them with four catches and Toure with three. I mean, not just spreading the ball around, but repeatedly. I mean. Yep. And he only yeah. dumped it off tonight once. Yeah. But, I mean, if we'd gone into this game and you'd said the tight ends are going to have four touchdowns between them and Mitch Roberts is going to lead all receivers in catches and yards, <laughs> I mean – what I see is... And he did awesome, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I see our quarterback taking what the defense has given you. I think he's making the smart read, the mature play, not necessarily forcing it into no. coverage. I think that's a critical like linchpin to long-term success, like playoff success, deep season success, is having a quarterback making intelligent plays. You know what's interesting is is I'd agree with that. And there are still some things he needs to work on. Like on that fumble. Sliding. He needs to slide. I mean, you do not need to be the hero. You're not getting the first down on that. You don't need to run over the guy with your shoulder. Just go down and, and live for the next play. Because mm-hmm. that could have cost us. Against a better team like a UC Davis, that that turns the whole game. Bobcats. That's how we lost the game last year. I know we're not talking about last year. Nope, but that's a, that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that being said... You know, I know we've talked about it on this pod before, and we all kind of laugh it off because it's kind of nonsense. But didn't this game kind of feel feel to you a little bit on both offense and defense like Bobby wanted certain things to be on film? Yes. Because on offense, we went to a chem four times, but only – he caught four balls. They went to him six times. A couple of quick routes. Um they threw the deep pass that bounced off him and got intercepted, and people are kind of blaming him. It was underthrown. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he he had an uncharacteristic drop. But then all his catches were like what you would normally see to Jerry, like yeah, these little yeah. right at the line of scrimmage, bubbly <laughs> screen type things, and then nothing. Yeah. You know? And it was like they were setting up the, the throwback to Torre mm-hmm. to throw the touchdown to Deming. Mm-hmm. Or was it Bingham? Uh, Bingham. Bingham. Um, it's Colin Bingham has now caught two touchdown passes from receivers. Yeah, but then even <laughs> even on defense, like it felt like they didn't make the adjustments they knew they needed to make until maybe the very last drive when <laughs> Nash actually had inside position <laughs> and, and jumped that and route. Jumped the route. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, it felt a little bit like what we talked about Portland State last year, where it's like Bobby just kind of went into it and we're going to beat him the way I want to beat him to yeah. show the world. Yeah. 
Could be. And they won. It was weird. It, it was. Well, you texted halfway through. You're like, this feels very Portland State-ish, but I still think we're going to win. Yeah. And I mean, that's true. Better team this year than the team that played Portland State last year. You know, with the cam, it was interesting because I remember watching it and I was uh, pointing out to uh, – uh, our first, uh, he, this will be the first pod he listens to, my seat neighbor, Lee, who asked me about the pod. All so right. as we record, I'm going to text us to Lee, to sh- shout out to Lee. But I was saying, watch what watch what they're doing with Akem and Dalton. I think it was like the first drive. Like I think he hit Sammy like a couple times. At least three. And, and Sammy's got three catches in the whole game. Uh, and so what it was was it was just it was it almost looked like a receiver QB type audible based on the coverage, and so what it was was the uh, the corner on Sammy was playing ten yards off him, so Sammy would go up like three yards and catch it, and then tackled, and then when it went back to him up three yards, turn and catch, and then I think he shook him off one time, and then yeah they throw that deep shot on a double move like they're setting it up, but then it was underthrown and bounces off the did it bounce off a cam or did it bounce off the defender i think it kind of bounced off a cam hit the defender and bounced in the air and the safety came over and gone it was flu a cam corn yeah yeah (laughs) dalton can throw to the back shoulder well he did later in the game (laughs) (laughs) dalton can throw to the back shoulder all the time (laughs) all the time it was i mean i and this is something and we've talked about this a little bit and there's probably Nobody in the public fan base who's been harder on Sneed than I have. Do you think that's maybe fair? Mm-hmm. Um, I know a friend that lives in Washington, D.C. that's pretty <laughs> hard on <laughs> him. <laughs> because, I mean, he had a, a Big Sky Player of the Week. He had yeah. a great game. 30 of 40, you know. Um, but he had two turnovers and but arguably a third. Does too. it also just say how how much of an athlete is and how good we know he can be yeah. that you're so hard on him? Because it's like... You just you just plug in the spring ball and say, hey, any game next year, your QB is going to go 30 of 40 for 350 yards and four touchdowns. And you're going to bitch about you, it. You're going to take it. <laughs> see, I, have, I have no complaints about Snead at the end of the day. Just because nope, me he either. is good You enough, get the package. He is good enough to be a, a playoff contender. Yeah. And it's other phases of the game we need to improve more. And you're, yeah. you're right. We're hard on him because I think we expect a lot and we see – all the tools. Because um, he's so good. I mean, he's he's easily, and I don't think this is a hyper, hyperbolic, but I mean, he is as good as any QB we've had line up regularly for us in in a while. A while, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you'd probably take Johnson over him, but Johnson didn't compete complete this high percentage of passes. No, I think he was a little no. bit better in the turnover department you know he was maybe safer safer player yeah but they're similar yeah Yeah, real similar yeah i mean think about this like we didn't i mean i'm not knocking the kid because he's two-year starter and got a a brief taste at an nfl show but like brady gustafson right like we're not sitting here being like i mean like you'd see some plays like some games and some stuff i think the cal poly game where he threw like three picks or something and we're like well you know it's i mean he's doing what he can he's trying you know and so it's like you don't t- you don't take that approach with Dalton. It's like because you know what he brings, and it seems like if you we hear this from time to time, and I mean Bobby said it publicly, right in the media and stuff, just that this is the way Dalton plays, and they try to tamp it down a little bit because they just know like what a crazy ass competitor he is, and how he and how he plays and fights and it does everything. But 
God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I needed to slide on that fumble. Oh, like, I get what he's trying to do, right? Like, he wanted to, like, knock that guy on his ass and have the whole bench go nuts, right? But then he gets knocked on his ass and drops the ball. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you see the press conference today by any chance either? No. no. Um, I guess they they showed the clip that we tweeted out yesterday, but Sean Rady put it together and, nice. and credit it. That obviously came from ABC Fox. We forgot to give them mention in our tweet, but that's where it came from. I think it was pretty clear. Um, but but we we tweeted out the clip after the touchdown, and they went for two. So was that when they were down? Yes. They were only up six, and they drove down and scored. Fourth, yeah. And they're celebrating, and then they're going for two. So Dalton's kind of immediately switched to like, leader field general getting people lined up and the cannon goes off and you just see Dalton like literally jump forward into the air. (laughs) I call bullshit on anyone who hasn't had that reaction once. Happened to me on that game. I have it once a game. You like you forget because it doesn't happen right away. Fuck. Yeah. I loved it because uh, Tori Myers, who coached here for a couple yeah, years yeah. under uh, Delaney, yeah. saw the tweet, which again, I guess our Twitter account has a little more reach than we realize. And he uh, quoted it and said, I, I jumped every time that thing went <laughs> off for the two years I was there. It's like, yep. <laughs> but anyway, so I thought they were making fun of it a little bit, the press conference and how, because like, you guys all think he's a tough guy. He's a big softy. There's <laughs> a pretty good compilation. I bet that Sean Rady tweeted it out. I bet it's out there. That's got to be. Uh, you know, um, I think we do this every week, right? A little QB club plug where mm-hmm. we can't talk about <clears throat> all of the additional information that comes out of there. But uh, it, one of the things that, that fascinated me this week, and I'm going to guess for people, especially people that have played higher levels, college and beyond of football, the intricacies of a kick return. But uh, we got a great breakdown of the kick return coverage unit. And Bobby basically, I feel like, presented it to us the way that they built it, they planned it, how they saw it on film, and he pointed everything out to us. And, oh, my God. I was like, I always just thought, you know, like, I'm a stupid-ass fan, and I never played football. So it was like. It was almost overwhelming. Oh, my God. Like, it was, in the, like, it was so This crazy. guy gets this he's guy, like, and you've got to count like, for this, this guy. And, this, and, and, this, and, this, and this guy goes here, and this is what we do with this, and blah, blah, blah. And then, like. And he pointed out how two guys missed blocks missed on blocks. that play. <laughs> and it, it was crazy. But then, especially the, the end zone shot of, I mean, credit. The blocking unit, and then flowers, of course. But that was that was a hell of a return, and you could you could feel it coming. Yep. I mean, it, you know, flowers had had some big returns and some long returns, and that was awesome. To see. They're ch- such a weapon, and the crazy thing is, and and how kind of alluded to this in his post game, but it's like flowers had a beautiful return, and you know, got through, beat the guy he had to beat. So there were two guys he had to beat, and he beat them both. And it's like we're so lucky to have this guy who's just so talented as a kick returner. Um, but they pointed out that after that, they stopped kicking deep. Yeah. Um, and the tight ends started catching the ball and returning it. Yep. But that if Solcer had been a little bit more vocal and called the tight end off, they thought they maybe could have had another one later in the game. <laughs> and I think that's going to be really interesting because obviously teams are going to stop kicking deep regularly. Or just kicking out of bounds. But like, if, kick it out of the if Bobby can scheme it yeah. where – you know, if they're going to do this short stuff, all of a sudden Solcer's up as an up man, you know? <laughs> it's, what are you going to do? <laughs> hearing you guys talk about um, Bobby's special teams breakdown and quarterback club reminds me, and I think this anecdote that uh, Madden told 
about a coaching clinic he went to with Vince Lombardi. <laughs> and he's like a first-year coach, and Vince is this venerated, you know, all-time great. And in the afternoon, on the agenda was um, the running back half, like the halfback toss. And he thought maybe there was like an edit, like a something was missing. <laughs> but no shit, Vince Lombardi spent four hours talking about the intricacies of how to execute a perfect halfback toss. <laughs> like I feel like if you let Bobby talk about the kick return for the entire QB club, you would just love it. You could tell he takes some pride in it because he, in his press conference and again at QB Club, he talked about how when he went to Colorado, they hadn't had a return forever. Yeah, yeah. And we just expect it. Yeah. Yeah, at, at the the level of detail, it was it was cool and I, good for flowers. And you texted us about this too, not just on the kickoffs then, but the punts too, because the punter kicked a few to Jerry. Their, their punter like he could smash a few and then mm-hmm. he shanked a few, mm-hmm. but then they started just kicking them out of bounds. And uh, the amount of yards, I mean, some of those punts were bad. Oh yeah. I mean, you think it's crazy. I mean, UM put up 579 yards of offense and had really short fields. I mean, it's so apparent that that's going to be a weapon. And for as good as this Grizz offense can be, especially if this O-line continues to take that step forward, Mm -hmm. like that's a huge weapon. Um, So so QB Club, real quick, gogrizz.com slash QB Club. It's awesome. It's worth your time every Monday night. 530, I think they start streaming at 6. Yep. They've got satellite viewing options all over. So check it out. All right. Monmouth, net yards per punt. <clears throat> excuse me. Net yards per punt, 38. So, okay. Mm-hmm. He, sma- he smashed a few. Net yards per kickoff, 16. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I guess flip, you get a no, 100-yard return. Yeah. Now flip it to the Grizz. But they had, they had five kickoffs. I mean, so mm-hmm. obviously one 100-yard return, right? Uh, Grizz net per kickoff was thirty nine point six. So you're you're twenty three yards essentially twenty. Yeah, big swing. And then punt was uh, forty six versus thirty eight. So eight more. Big difference there. Big difference. Um, let's talk about the O line for a second. <laughs> yeah. So new starters this week. Yep. Um, Mallory and Cook both started. So the entire new right side of the line. So one thing, I got these stats up in front of me. I was going to check. Do you guys know if Colton Kine started against Oregon? I thought that he did, and then they rotated in, but I guess I don't know that for sure. Let me check this, because I remember in the North Alabama, Kynes was down for a bit, but then he ran off the field, and so... I thought he did, because I texted with someone that he was getting a little bit pushed around by the Oregon D-end, so then they switched in Cook. Um, he's a start. Yes, this yep. is a starter. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because I think those positions are still fluid. Yes, um, I think they want to rotate uh, those guys in more than they did. But I also, th- I'm I'm going to. It's going to be very interesting to watch the tackles because I really think that if Cook has taken Kainz's job, that Kainz is going to work hard and Kainz is going to challenge Beaver. Beaver yeah. had yet another <laughs> touchdown taken off the board for a penalty. I think that's the third in his career. Yeah. Can't have that. Yeah, it's it's tough. We got, I mean, we got three tackles. I think that they rely on. We've got some younger guys that they'll rotate in, but it's showing so far they got three guys they want to use. Beaver won the yep O lineman of the year award. Last it shows year. you no. that the offensive line coaches know more than I do because <laughs> I think Kites is better than Beaver, and it's not a knock on either one of them. That's no. just what I think. But. <laughs> 
He stopped more scoring than when Mike was my roommate. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, my God. Okay, so... Is so, moving furniture? <laughs> <laughs> um, no sock on the door? Or tie? No, not a tie. Let's move on. Let's okay. move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> this was later in college. We all had separate rooms. <laughs> hey, I was in a fraternity. We had a sleeping deck. That was... Ooh. Yeah. Uh, okay, anyway. So. We, had the, we had the nicest college rental you could ever have. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, O-line, though. Uh, Moses Mallory is maybe the most fun guy to watch because he, all he wanted to do was put a defender on his back and fall on him and, like, rub his stomach on his face. <laughs> I can't. I tweeted it, and then, like, Coulter was skyline, and then, like, other people were, like, pointing it out, and it was, like, getting all up because it was, like, you. it was funny because I... Belly rub? I wound up actually, like, watching, because it was fourth quarter, and we were now up by a few scores, and it was pretty apparent. I mean, the O-line was having their way. And so you'd watch Mallory, and, like, he'd hit the guy, he'd stand him up, and if he knocked him down, he'd just stand over him and, like, plop right down <laughs> on him. Uh, or if he didn't have someone to fall on, he would go find somebody to fall on. He would like, <laughs> there was a play where he like, it was a run play and he like hits a guy and he's down on his hands and knees and he kind of gets up and he's kind of trotting around. There's like a little pile and like a Monmouth like corner, like falls over and Mallory just like lands right on his face, like stomach on his face. And then like army crawls, <laughs> you know, gut crotch legs whole thing over this guy and the guy's throwing his arms but of course this corner is like 180 pounds and mallory's 340 and never got flagged so, so i was gonna say at some point he's gonna get a holding call <laughs> oh my he? god yeah but i mean the dude just and i noticed it in the north alabama game when he came in late he was so excited like he's you could just like you could he was like pumping his fist and like his body language um, other things I did notice too, and, and, and some things that you see if you rewatch, he get worn out, and then they they were rotating the the freshman sixty seven retro freshman. Gonna, I, I'm gonna botch his name. Is it Ganong? Ganong? I don't know. I should look yeah. up the pronunciation. Ganong? Ganong? Yeah, I was one of Tyler Ganong. Yeah, but so, Ganong? but of course they they were rotating the three because Angel kept getting dinged up, Villanueva, and then Mallory and Ganong. And um, but man, Moses, Moses, he was having a day. He was just having fun. He just wanted to just plant people into the ground. And he's one that you feel as the season goes on, he's going to get better because he's going to get in better shape. Yeah. I mean, he showed up at fall camp, and you and I talked about it. I mean, it's like I'm a large man who needs to lose weight, so I can say this out loud. <laughs> that man was a large man that needed to lose weight. He yeah. wasn't just <laughs> like you're a good old lineman. Like he was big well and you can see it like in his footwork and stuff yep. like that in the early camp but i mean he's he's getting it and yep. that like kind of nasty attitude that mean we needed bully it. attitude that's that's what bobby wants in an line. that's that's that i mean that's what makes a team physically imposing over under jd quinn well oh, he doesn't wow. have any personal <laughs> fouls <laughs> <laughs> Nothing yet. Too early to say. Okay. Is he driving and parking cars for a local car dealership? <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I think he's showing houses for local realtors. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's opening houses. 
<laughs> it's a legitimate job. <laughs> Come at me, NCAA. <laughs> Let's talk about amateurism. No, I. But but honestly, I like what the online is doing. I mean, we're we're running for a couple hundred a game uh, outside of Oregon, right? Yeah. So this is something we never tried to do under Stitt and something that just really didn't happen last year. Took took a while um, to get the new concepts yeah. in. And it was like our QB running for his life was our running game last year for the most part. Our most effective part of our run game. And now it's like, it's Marcus Knight and it's Nick Osmo. It's and so Dalton interesting. He's not really running that yeah, much. Yeah, it's so interesting how he's deliberately not part of the running game certain games, yeah. which is great. But I mean, let's, you know, let's talk about Knight again for a second because now that we've talked about the O-line, I mean, obviously the O-line's better because they're opening holes that they weren't maybe doing last year. Right. But I also think that they look a little bit better because Knight doesn't fall down on first contact. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. I think that's fair. Well, and quicker, quicker to gaps. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, just, just I, faster, I, quicker greater, play. yeah, greater emphasis on the run game. You know, it takes time to develop that sort of mentality and, they say that offensive line might be one of the hardest positions to play on the football field. You have to know what you're looking at. Zone blocking scheme, you know, it all changes in a very fluid way, and it it takes time to develop that. I will tell you in my very very detailed high school playing experience at the (laughs) O-line, you know, very deep uh, study of the game, uh, run blocking was a lot more fun than pass blocking. <laughs> it was. You just got to push a guy around. You didn't have to. I mean, you just cleared a hole and, and you know made it work. I think it's complicated. And in year two of Bobby's you know scheme, where they think about run blocking, I I think that they're still learning. I think they're getting better at it. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, speaking of 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 blocking and pass protection, one of the things uh, Brent you mentioned is the team transition from Eastwood to Knight and Osmo yeah. was pass protection. Um, anything stand out to you this week on that front with those two guys? They're, Knight and Osmo are getting better, especially Osmo. And I think uh, this is some stuff that we observed. If you rewatch, I think, um, if not one, two of Sneed's touchdown passes were help secured by an Osmo picking up a blitz. Yep. So, I mean, that's that thing. It was like... Early in, it's like we know what Eastwood. I mean, Eastwood brings brings a, a blocking ability, uh, kind of a steady ability, but pass blocking's there where the other two's not. We're four weeks in, and the young guys are catching up. Yeah, I mean, if he's doing that as a true freshman, you got. Oh man. man, that's the thing. We've like, got a punch. Think for about a the few years. But now. like, think about this with this run game. It's like we've got a sophomore and a true freshman, mm-hmm. and this O line. We have one senior. And I mean, we've got all sorts of young guys they're working in. I mean, this this D line, same thing. <laughs> I mean, they're they're going to Villanueva senior. Villanueva is the one senior. And Cy Sermon. Oh, that's right, Sermon. I forgot about. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but sorry, Cy. I think your point is still true. Like we've got but, depth. But I mean, they're rotating other guards. Yep. yep. And all the tackles come back, and they're they're working in younger tackles. And uh, I think Sermon's backup, Martin is I don't know what he is. He might be a junior. But he was a guy that started a few games for us last year. So just what they're bringing to this table, I mean, yeah. this it's The years ahead could be pretty fun for the running game. So I want to flip to the other side of the ball. Um, Dancing Trout by Bayer and, and Pickley Prayer Pale, Pear Pale Ale by Lucent Clark Brewing Company, if you're wondering. Yes. <laughs> 
It's so good. Carry oh on. Oh, my God. It's so good. So we end up winning the game by what I would say is a comfortable margin. You know, 20 points. Mm-hmm. Yep. But it was within six in the fourth quarter. Our defense gave up almost 400 yards passing, two touchdowns, 68% is what their quarterback threw against us. Yep. They had two guys that essentially went for 200 yards. They were like four for six on fourth down or something like that. Three or four. Three or four. The one thing that gives me pause about this week and finishing up our first four schedule is maybe our secondary. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's worth talking about. I want to I want to say one thing about the offense, and then let's come to the secondary real quick because it's something I want to talk about. When we got down to six points, I thought the offense responding with that huge touchdown drive yeah. was something we maybe didn't get every game last year, and was great to see. So it puts a bow on the offense. For for the defense, um, I hope that it was just a let's lull people into thinking we can't make defensive adjustments because they adjusted a little bit, but it seems like they could have ran a better zone and cut off some of these things. And I don't know if they just felt like all game long they wanted to not get burned deep so they kept everything in front of them, but those damn it was the same couple plays over yeah. and over again. Like yeah. the receivers had the same spots. The the quarterback took two seconds and threw the ball. It was yeah. just gone. Yeah. And it was thrown into a place and we never adjusted the no. whole game. No, we didn't. And there was, you know, a lot of online chatter of we that Monmouth had an elite running back and we game planned and schemed just to stop the run. And I don't believe that. I mean, we know I know like there was talk and you could tell Monmouth wins their games when they run the ball well. but And we hold to 81 yards rushing, but I didn't see much from that running game that suggests that guy was elite. QB was good. Um, I saw some talk that he he's on some I, watch lists, apparently. I thought he but, was good, but he's no Jake Mayer-Meyer. <laughs> Jake Mayer-Meyer. Who we faced this week. Or Eric Barrier. Right. Yeah, but you know who was better than Jake Mayer-Meyer? Herbert from Oregon, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh so it's God, like, yes. I don't know what to... Like, I, what I'm where I'm going at here is like and Herbert picked us apart. They only scored 35 points. It's, he picked us apart. I'm just saying they only scored 35 points. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I think that there's different ways to measure uh, <laughs> what we're talking about. Luke, I'm looking for positives here. I'm just I'm just wondering, like you know, I I have uh, pause, I because we are going to UC Davis this week. We're on the road. Jake Mayer Meyer has been the best quarterback in the league, arguably for he is now yep. the third straight year. Yep, doesn't get rattled. He's over three hundred yards a game. He completes sixty-seven percent of his passes. Forty-two hundred unanswered points against the Grizz last year. And Oof. when I see the Monmouth quarterback and their receivers uh, kind of have their way a little bit, I wonder. It's just it, I'm speculating. Whether or not we're going to be able to stop them. That's what I'm saying. Like, if if this week wasn't some weird thing in, like, not showing our hand, we're in big trouble. Yep. And, like, that's grasping at straws because you're right. I mean, yeah. you can't let the Monmouth QB complete almost 70% of the passes for 400 yards <sighs> and think you can do the same thing against the best QB in the big sky and have a chance. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, and that was and that was kind of that was the big concern that came away for me. I don't, I don't know if our. I mean, we know our corners are both converted wide receivers and in their second year of starting, and have their ups and downs. Our safety core we've talked about has been the strength, but I mean. Our safeties have shown some issues in some coverage uh, this year so far, but you know all safeties do from time to time. But this guy, this guy picked us apart. And the thing that you hear over and over is the best thing for a pass defense is a pass rush, like the ability to put pressure on the quarterback. And credit this guy, but we're going to see this this week again too with Davis. Like he had a lot of pressure in his face from time to time, and he still was on the money with his passes. Now, um, you, I've read enough online in response, right? A three-man rush with the three-man front that they do isn't really a designed ability to pressure the quarterback. But in the fourth quarter, we blitzed the hell out of that guy. Yep. And the concern to me was I don't recall a lot of situations where, like, Dante or Jace or if they're rotating in Wellnell or O'Connell – had like a free shot at him. And I don't know, but did the Monmouth O-line really just completely shore it up? But it was like, do you recall like a lot of plays where that uh, Bahar was like getting hit as he threw? Like there was pressure in his face, but he wasn't, no. he didn't have like a, a lot of free shots coming to like but light part of it. Part of it was because he got rid of the ball so quickly. Yeah, that's true. So it's like if you just even say we're just going to play the odds and make them think that we we are going to run out of different defense every time. So it's like sometimes you're playing zone, sometimes you're whatever. It's like that's not going to work as well. Right. But you're right. But the other thing that I'll ask you guys is 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 your your guys are a little bit more X's and O's than I am. Maybe we only have three D linemen. Yeah. Like, is our defense really designed for the defensive linemen to be getting? Free shots, or is it more Dante Olson? Yeah, it's, and I mean, Jace it's, Lewis. It's Dante, and it's the edge, and that's like the thing I think, right? Like you need in that three-man front, you need your edge to be the dude, right? Because right. he's the one who has the one-on-one who can do all the crazy shit he wants to do, and it's like we have had Babros, but he's he didn't play. I don't think. We had Ryder Rice, and he got a personal foul for a late hit, and Bobby yanked his ass right away. Which I always kind of like a late hit early in the game. Yeah. Know, but it didn't work this time. It didn't work this time. So, Pat O'Connell, who I'm really sack. excited on Pat O'Connell. I, I like Pat. I mean, Pat O'Connell has, like, a get-after-a-motor that I think, like, like a Corey Beerman type of just, like, ongoing speed. But you can tell. He's a redshirt freshman that played as a played line, baseball like somewhere last baseball year. and was like an inside linebacker and so it's like he just he doesn't have that like leverage and hand fight and all that stuff but yeah. but still he eight tackles one for a loss yeah but that being said when we're talking about the D line and pressure got to give credit where credits due they had a hell of a series on that stopping him on stand. third down yeah and they stopped him on fourth I, and we can talk about replay in a few minutes but I think they stopped <laughs> him on fourth too so credit to them there I yeah. think Brent's right though you need edge rushers I mean because you're sending one of your linebackers at least one of your linebackers yeah. a lot of times two and you're going to send one in between you know in between you're hoping to get a double team somewhere and it allows one of your edge rushers a one-on-one matchup right if you don't win that matchup, like you need your secondary to be to be locked on. down, covered, yep. right? Yeah, right. And I, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm not as good of an ex as a nose guy um, to really understand if Bobby was bending and not breaking this last week or, you know, or if we have deficiencies. I, I suppose we'll find out. It's probably somewhere in between. I mean, it like, I wasn't really trying to, like, mentally take notes of all of it, but it looked like they were trying a lot of different stuff with the defense. It felt like the first three quarters was a pretty generic, like, we got the three men, we're going to send the edge here and there, right? Because O'Connell and some of these other guys, Rice, had some pressures. But it wasn't a big thing where we had – and then it suddenly felt like in the fourth quarter, especially when it got to a six-point game, like suddenly like we blitzed the shit out of this guy. Like we were sent linebackers. I mean, unfortunately, that last touchdown they scored, I mean, it is what it is. But Robbie Houck on a delayed stunt blitz in the middle, like he was just crossing the line of scrimmage and the QB threw the ball, you know. So it was like – I mean, it seemed like they suddenly were like, oh, God, we got to like – Send the house that that didn't work the first time, but then it did work because then the second time they were they kind of we had a couple pass interferences, but then that that led to the Nash interception. I was gonna say, you know, in the fourth quarter, they did get two picks, they did so it's like something changed. Well, the second pick was, yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, they got two picks, they got some picks because they got pressure on him and it was covered out there, so he had to chuck it up there and Fouch picked it off. That's true, yeah, and so yeah, I think I mean, we talked about. The big concerns for this team coming into the season. And uh, defensively, I think it was, you know, what you're going to see with the D-line, replacing two guys and the ability to provide pressure. Because what was it? Oh, the ed- the end, the edge, whatever they called the buck or whatever, like that produced two sacks last year, right? So they've done better this year already. Mm-hmm. But it's still just – it's like – if you I mean, put a, if you put a Tucker Shy or a Tyron Holmes or a Zach Wagaman in that type of spot, I don't know about Holmes, probably a little too big, but like a Wagaman in that spot that O'Connell and Rice and those guys, I mean, that's the dude you need in that. And we're just we're just young. It's not that we're bad. It's just we're inexperienced. But four QB sacks isn't bad. I yeah. mean, you sack a QB four times in a game, and you're going to be yeah. feeling pretty good about it. I think this had more to do with just how quickly the QB got rid of the ball. And you'd like to think that there's adjustments that can be made on that. Yeah, you'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and it's I I think a lot of it, and I think Bobby's talked about this before. A lot of it's youth. I I don't. It's not like we have bad players there. It's like you've we've had years where it's just like you know we're just not good right there. Like we got juniors, we got seniors, and it's just it's just not a good spot. Um, I don't feel that. It's just we're young. I mean, what our starting line is Sims as a senior, and then it's. Gubner, who's a retro freshman, Alfred's the backup, also retro freshman, and then who's the what's the other end side? It's uh, I mean they're rotating a true freshman, and then Babros, who's uh, I don't know what he is, a sophomore or a junior. I mean, so it's just like we're so young at that spot, and it's just it, it's kind of that experience game, especially on the D line. So it's the way it goes, unfortunately. And in the the Robbie Houck career tackles watch, he had twelve this week. <laughs> yeah, this, so this I very, was wondering that because he missed part of it. Because that's the reason Fouch played so much is because Bobby kind of got dinged up. Um, no, on, I don't think so. Fouch, no, he he got dinged up on oh, okay, one of the touchdowns. Okay. I um, missed it in the goal line. He kind of twisted himself, jumped up, and didn't play for a couple series. So oh, interesting. I didn't know Fouch that. played a little bit more. Okay, well. they rotate him in anyway, but that's yeah. Well, so, so the goal line stand. The non-touchdown touchdown. Um, 
you know, you watch it again if if you have the replay. Like watch Jesse Sims on it because he is between the O line as the balls like ball snapped and Jesse is like over the center. Like he's he's in the backfield. And so third down was Dante and Robbie, like huge stop. That fourth down call, like the judges on the field don't say it's in, they go to review. And by virtue of film watch today and the astute, you know, in our QB club, he didn't cross that goal line. I mean, unless there was some perfect (laughs) side, like goal line camera that we haven't seen. But I just, the fact that the Big Sky Conference can't get review right is infuriating to me. I mean, it's like these guys, it's like, it's like they get so anxious about doing a review that common sense goes out the fucking window. Yeah. You have to have conclusive evidence to turn over the call on the field. And there was no conclusive. And so I remember being in the stadium and, and seeing the play, and they showed, I think they showed just one replay, like a quick one. And what you see is the QB reaching his arms out. By that point where he extends the ball, he had been stopped and was going backwards and then reaches the ball. His momentum was completely stopped. I think in, in like most situations, I don't, and I still don't even know when he stretched the ball, I don't think he broke the plane either there. So, I mean, he had two of his O-linemen standing up watching the play in the end zone. Um, he didn't cross. I mean, it wound up not mattering, but frustrating. And fortunately, it didn't cost us the game because you go back to old stories. In 2015, uh Grizz fourth and one non-conversion where we ran the ball with a one Herbert Gamboa. <laughs> uh, we did cross the plane, but the uh, story was is that the um, replay was unable to be made to the replay booth. They couldn't get the video through. And um, so the call on the field had to stand because they were unable to actually review the video. And the Grizz lost that game. That was, was it Cal Poly? No, it was the other one. I can't remember. It was the two because we beat North Dakota State and then we lost to Cal Poly. They kicked a field goal. And then we lost to somebody else. Oh, I think it was the Cal Poly game though because the fourth and one, was. like they, yeah, they it took was. it and then they kicked a field goal after or something. Yep. Yeah. So gross. Gross. Well, Mama's in the books. And we're three and one. I'm thinking about the the eight wins we need to get. Yep. And who's left in our schedule? I mean, Idaho might be better than we thought they were. Sac State is better than we thought they were. Sac State is better than we thought. (laughs) That's so true. So, like, yeah, but I mean, is Eastern is Eastern worse than we thought they they were? They are who we thought they were. But I mean, so we go Davis, Idaho State, Sac State, Eastern, Portland, Idaho, Weaver, Montana State. This is a tough damn schedule, but. Idaho State played tough against Northern Iowa, Northern Iowa. So, but it's in in Missoula, Portland State. I will say a it's couple of Portland. these teams, a couple of these teams that quote look good in the preseason. Sometimes we need to get two weeks of Big Sky Conference play and, and see where we <laughs> yeah. think. Because like Portland State and, and Sac State, they both need they need to prove it. Like well, and Sac gets us after like they play like. I think uh, Sac's schedule. It's like they 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 play the Cats and then uh, before us. I mean, because fluky di- fluky yeah. FCS FBS things happen all the time. Oh yeah. So it's like <clears throat> we're giving all these credit to these guys for you know playing an FBS well and and that means they're back. But it's like Portland State beat Eastern Oregon this week. 
I mean, is, is that their biggest win of the preseason? Yes. I don't think yeah. they have a Division One win yet. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> where all these people are saying definitively Portland State's back and they're better, and it's yeah. like, are they? Let's. I mean, and they might be. I'm not saying they're not, but let's let's let Sac State and Portland State prove it in a couple conference games. I mean, one could probably argue you us too. You can make yeah. that argument for us. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, you could probably argue Grizz should be presumably favored. Idaho State, Sac State, Portland State, Idaho. And Eastern coming to Missoula with the maybe tailspin that they're in. I mean, that game is going to be a Well, I told you guys we were going to beat Eastern and Missoula before but I mean, the season started. So you put so. those together. One, two. <laughs> I don't really know why you think that's even in doubt. So so that's five games right there. Okay. So we're at eight. And that's not including Davis. When do the Grizz go to Portland? Uh, November 2. So here's the little trick. Yeah, the little – like the little – so Portland may be the trap game. Week before we play Eastern – then we come home and play Idaho. So you got two rivalry-ish games in between you, uh-huh. and you're hitting the road headed to Portland. Do you guys want to drive to Portland? November 2nd? It could be fun. We'll see where we're at. I'm a tentative yes. All right. <laughs> a tentative yes, I'll take it. I just drove to Billings, and it was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> you do have a baller-ass truck. So yeah. I don't no, know. We're, we're good. We, 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 can, uh, we can go in style. All right. Um, well, this time, let's look at the rest of the conference and how they did last week. Uh, and it was an interesting week. <laughs> it was a weird week, man. You just you, you kind of started to accidentally say the biggest one to me, which <laughs> should we just talk about it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Idaho beat Eastern Washington. Yeah. If It's one of those games where if Eastern had had another five minutes, I think Eastern would have won. But they certainly took three quarters to figure it out. They were losing twenty-eight nothing at half. Yeah, they were. Yeah, a lot of guys rung the bell for their best effort. Hey, <laughs> Luke is paying attention, coach. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen the dumbest, the dumbest video of all time, just Google like Idaho Vandal football ring the bell. I mean, a lot of you guys are from small small town Montana, so you know what bad TV commercials are, <laughs> where it's like the really genuinely well-meaning uh, uh, general manager of the car, car dealership is just like reading. It's like, we have good new cars for you <laughs> to buy. Come on down to... Dave, whatever, you know, that is what that, that video is. And the co- Coach Petrillo's like, and everyone will ring the bell when they give their best effort. And then it shows a player going up to this bell and ringing it in the weight room. Like, there's guys pretending to lift in the background. And I want you all to ring the bell. And I'm doing a far better job of delivering. Yeah, I mean, like, literally he's not doing it just <laughs> But I'll tell you what, every one of those football players on the Vandals rung the bell. Rung the bell. And good for them. I mean, you know, good for them. Mason Petrino, 240 yards passing. That's got to be like double his career highest. Uh, You know, um, some of the Idaho guys we are kind of buddies with and follow on Twitter um, said they got Eastern at the right time. They had a lot of defensive starters out, like five, I think. A lot. Like, I, I thought I read something from one of the Eastern guys, Kyler, that they're down to just a handful of guys that started on week one right now. But Eastern, you know, and we talked about this a little bit. I think this is a prove-it year for Eastern because they're in the third year of the new coach. 
who was in the program but was kind of riding the wave of of the previous one, right? Yeah. And they've got a great quarterback. We're not taking that away at all. But great receivers. Think of another situation where a coach was hired from within the program and rode the waves of tremendous success, and then by year three fizzled off, and in year four fizzled off, and then was gone. Uh, Mick Delaney. McDenehy. Dennehy. Yeah. I apologize to Mick Delaney. <laughs> well, Delaney. Mick Delaney was kind of I mean, into And it's like, that's not a knock on, on Dennehy at all, but it's like, yeah. you, just because the guys from in the program doesn't mean that they can sustain the magic. So I really think this is an interesting yeah. year for Eastern because if you look at their, their, their pre-conference schedule, what's their most impressive win? Lindenwood. Which isn't even an FCS. Yeah, no. They're so they're going into the conference season – I mean, they basically no, they need are. to win everything, every conference game to be assured of making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. No, they could maybe drop one. Maybe, depending on it the depends one. on who it's too. Yeah, oh, lost they, to Idaho. Shit. Because the the win doesn't mean anything. So that would be seven D one wins in a twelve game season. Yeah, that's true. That's I mean, that's a tall damn order. Yeah, with that Jacksonville loss. Yeah, and that's true for a couple of the Big Sky Conference teams. Portland State, you know, so it's like it's there for the Grizz if they can just win some games. Win the well, damn game. Good for Idaho. I'm jacked. I'm jacked for the uh, some of the associates we, you know, and the friendships we've made with uh, Vandal fans and, and close sports Big Sky Network guys. Yep. Um, man, I didn't see that one coming. I Big Sky Podcast all, Network. I, I think we all lost that. Find us on Facebook I, <laughs> and Twitter. And Twitter. Uh, I think I remember – at because uh, that game started kind of early, because mm-hmm. we were at the tailgates, and I pull up Twitter, and it was uh, one of the guys, probably Chris Hammond or something, who was at the game, tweeted a picture of a bunch of Eagles players. He's like, "Oh, none of these guys are having fun." And I was like, "Oh, he's just talking some pregame shit." And I like was like, "Well, I wonder if they've kicked off." And I pulled up, it's twenty eight nothing at the half. I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" And that that was like. You always get there's like a game that's like the tailgate talk before the Grizz kickoff. Everyone's like, oh, my God, did you hear the score? And that was like the game everyone was talking about the whole day. Yeah. Well, we all picked Eastern. Whoops. And we all botched that. Well, at least we all lost together. (laughs) (laughs) That's what friends do. Uh, Idaho State lost to the University Uh. of Northern Iowa 13-6. to Hey, garnered Idaho State one vote in the top twenty-five again. Who, who is yeah, that voter voting for Idaho State? Hot take, Nate. Oh. Yeah, he, it sounds like something he would do. Oh my god! Um, so then we have Sac State went to Fresno State and lost thirty-four to twenty. I watched some of that game. It was on Facebook Live. And you think Sac State is better than? They're good. They're stout. Uh, they, of course, I tuned in when it was twenty to twenty to just watch Fresno score two touchdowns to just put it away. Uh, so it looked to me like Sac State, kind of like the upstart team, North Alabama, kind of in a sense, not not the way that we just completely trucked them, but like puts up a fight and just kind of runs out of gas. Mm-hmm. That was my takeaway. Okay. They look good. They look good. And they, they've got some votes in the top 25, and they definitely deserve it. They've taken two FBS teams into the fourth quarter. All right. We didn't do that. South Dakota kind of edges one out against Northern Colorado, 14-6. to six. Quality win for the Grizz. Ooh, ooh. 
Take it. Take it. Take it and run. <laughs> Portland State spanks Eastern Oregon University 1599. Yeah. NAIA Eastern Oregon. Yeah. Uh, South Dakota State University uh, spanks our Southern Utah 43 to 7. We could lose that team from our conference, and I wouldn't care. Well, we could lose a couple. We had that conversation earlier. Yeah. Illinois State University. Uh, puts up forty on NAU's twenty-seven. That was a, that surprised me. Like it, it was right. It was a little close to the half. I think it was twenty-three, uh, twenty-one at the half. But Illinois State just kept going, and NAU completely just sputtered. But it's out. Like, my question is, why are we not giving the same love to NAU? You know, because is Fresno State really better than Illinois State? No, that I was mean, Fresno's first win. They were zero and three going into that game. And they didn't look that great. I mean, I bet Illinois, Illinois State could probably beat Fresno State. Be a dogfight. Oh. <laughs> woof, woof. He's really proud of himself. You guys can't see his smile. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we had Montana State went 56-21 to 21 over Norfolk State University. With a surprise start at QB. Tucker Rovig gets the nod. You know, I good for them. Yeah. You know, Bauman wasn't putting it together and Rovig... It, it, it honestly seemed to me like a rush decision when they named Bauman the starter so early, considering early. that Rovig was going to start before he got hurt last year. Like, Choates, everything about this QB situation is just the epitome of Chote. And yeah. maybe they've gotten it right this time. And I hope for Rovig's sake that they have, because he seems like a good dude. Um, good for them. Norfolk State is bad. Like, there's all these cat fans giving us all this crap about Monmouth being this ridiculous win. Monmouth went eight and three last year, and has picked finished second to ranked Kennesaw State. Yeah, they're a bubble team. They probably won't make it if they don't win their conference. But that's a legitimate win the Grizz just had this weekend. Absolutely. Norfolk State, not so much. Not so much. Don't we play? I think we play Norfolk State next year. I think so. We host them. Hey, it's legitimate next year, guys. You heard it here. Norfolk State. Is an emerging power based upon their next recruiting class. <laughs> they're young and they're rising. <laughs> um, and then I think what a super interesting game was North Dakota State at home in the Fargo Dome beat UC Davis twenty-seven to sixteen. UC Davis had their shot. UC Davis. UC Davis should have won. Should have won. They had, well, they had a bogus call, take a touchdown off the board. Yeah. And then they kinda they threw two kind of bummer interceptions. Yeah. But they were winning in the fourth quarter. On their side of the field. They in threw, fact one of them was on the two yard line. They threw a pick yeah. on the NDSU two yard line. Yeah. Yep. I mean like they going, going in to the score zone. and yeah. threw a pick. Yeah. That's a bummer. Now is that good for us? Do they have a hangover? I hope so. We could use it. We'll see what happens. I think they're gonna come out of that with some confidence. <laughs> I mean you'd like to think so. They hung. They hung with NDSU. They probably feel like they got robbed a little bit. <sighs> I I'd I'd rather take Davis in this situation than a Davis that beat NDSU on the road. Okay. Right, Mike. What What's the question? Would you rather this? Would you rather Davis would have won or lost for the Grizz? Lost. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like. There's the part I think, like we joked about, it's like, I wish Davis would have won because they'd be the number one team in the nation. And then if we went and beat them, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I, I think mean, their morale is going to be lower. I was going to say, your adrenaline coming off of beating NDSU at home. Yeah. Although the Grizz beat NDSU, and then they lost two in a row. 
Fair. Fair. And everyone, I don't know. Let's hope that NDSU hangover lasts at least <laughs> a week or two. <laughs> I think that's all the games. All right. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting to watch. Um in the meantime though, we have a new sponsor this week. Hell yeah. Hell we yeah. have the coolest sponsor we've ever had. Absolutely. Um Missoula's own Logjam presents. Um, they're doing cool things uh, across the state, and uh, somehow, in some way, uh, Bear Tycoon convinced them to do a trial run sponsoring the shows this week. Um, which, you know, being a Missoula-based pod here, could not be more excited about. Oh yeah! For those of you who who aren't familiar with Missoula in the last few years. These guys at Logjam have done some awesome things for this community. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They're the best thing that has happened to Missoula since microbrews and maybe like, like longboards. I don't know. <laughs> slack um, lines? Where would you put slack lines? The slack lines? <laughs> a little low, right? A little low. Slack yeah, 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 okay. Okay. I mean, they bought and renovated the Top Hat and turned it into a first-class small music venue. Top Hat's so great. Yeah. Top Hat is awesome. And they're doing cool things there. They bought the space next door, and they've got some big plan. Oh, the family night's great. Take your kids. It's yep. cool. Wilma, redid the Wilma, turned it into an awesome music venue. Unreal. Coolest thing yet they've done is built the amphitheater on the the, uh, edges of the Blackfoot River out there in in Milltown by the mill. It's beautiful. It is such a cool place to go see a concert. If you guys haven't gone to see a concert at the Kettle House Amphitheater out there, it is incredible. Especially nice sunsetting, nice night. And, I mean, they're bringing in world-class artists in the peak of their career to missoula montana of yeah. all places yeah um and then this year was their first year they signed the contract with the city to kind of save music at ogren field to kind of help the osprey out yep which is awesome and that lets them bring in bigger stadium acts and um they had mumford and sums there this year which i heard was an awesome show mm-hmm. um and i think that's only gonna get better so now naturally Bozeman needs a good Missoula company to come in and, and bring the cool factor into their scene, right? <laughs> so Logjam's building a new venue there called the Elm. Nice. And they're doing the music at the Rialto, the new Rialto. Oh, yeah. cool. Which is just fantastic. So the, the, the takeaway here is every weekend you come to Missoula or Bozeman for a Grizz game or a Cat game, there is always good music at a Logjam venue for you to go see. I can't wait for St. Paul and the Broken Bones on October 13th. Uh, I'm going to that. It's super exciting. My parents are coming here this weekend um, uh, to see uh, well, Robert Plant. Robert, Robert Plant. Plant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's at the Kettle House on Friday. Um, I have seen no less than 20 shows from Log Jam since they've started. I've, I mean, every time I open up their page, I just write away part of my paycheck. Um, <laughs> go check it out so good yeah I saw Joseph Jamestown Revival Lord Heron this year nice well I can see why you were asking seriously if I'd ever been to a Log Jam show because not on your level I haven't I mean I've been to several but not you know every show that's ever been I was gonna say this year I haven't um, hit anything Cold War Kids and uh, George Clinton a couple yep. of, like the other, last year those, those were some fun concerts too they let's see in Bozeman, uh, this Friday, they've got a band called The Ranges with with an album relief policy, release party, which I believe is a local band. Yeah. Um, so that's at the Rialto in Bozeman. Oh, cool. Which I've heard is a pretty cool venue. I think the Elm is going to be really cool because it's like 
these guys have now this will be their what six venues, so it's like they've dialed it in. So right. I bet that I bet that venue is pretty cool. I, I really think uh, the logjam proprietor Nick Chicota might be like a top five Missoulian of all time. I, you know what? I, I he's got to be up there, yeah, because he's put them on the map. He, like m- the Missoula music scene, and I'm going to say it, Bozeman. Be happy that you're copying us, and that Nick Chicota is a man <laughs> that wants to bring his talents to you guys as well. Because what they have done for local music in Missoula is incredible. I mean, you can go downtown on days that there are shows at any of the venues, and there'll be people traveling. And they'll be like, yeah, we come to Missoula for shows. It's it's incredible. I love it. We were given some suggested little script to read, but I was like, I don't even, I didn't read it. (laughs) We don't need it. I was like, I can speak all night about how cool, like, logjam. Oh man, they're doing good things, and if they're in, if you've got a chance to go to a logjam produced event, go to it. So Reggie Watts is coming here in December. Sorry to cut you off, Reggie Watts. Yes, Great Falls, Montana. Um, I've seen him at at the Wilma a couple times already, and he is amazing. Yeah, so he'll be at the Wilma in December. Yep, awesome. I know one Reggie Watts song. Shit, fuck, stack. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one. (laughs) I don't have anything new to add to that. Uh, He's so great. Maybe we should do a pod recording one time in the top hat. Oh, man, that'd be fun. I would love that. Yeah. But anyway. I would love to do a spinoff where we interview bands. Oh, that's a whole new genre. I would love that. Oh, oh man, we'd have to like the Grizz Fan Pod acoustic acoustic nights <laughs> or something. <laughs> Our wives would be super jazzed about us doing another. Yeah, it's like wait, you're away. doing another pod now. I you're also now wanna, you're at the top hat. I also <laughs> want to throw out um, something. I think Logjam has wonderfully professional staff that work those venues. Oh yeah, it is. I can't imagine the logistical nightmare it could be. I've had nothing but good interactions with the people that work those concerts. Cool. Um, so anyway, that's, that's something I've always been impressed with, but never had an opportunity to really say broadly. No, I mean it's a tremendous, tremendous event, and and you know when when we we learned that we needed to do a test run for uh, for Logjam this week, we were all about it because oh, yeah. we've had this conversation anyway. In fact, <laughs> there is a real intense thread on our. Uh, Montana Mint Slack account about Logjam, where Luke and I are all in defending how great Logjam has been for Missoula. So we are on board with this. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, um, all right. longest ad read of all time. There you go. I'm well passionate. worth it. Yep. Love to talk about them every week. <laughs> so, Mike, do you know what time it is? I believe you're going to tell me it's the check down. No, it's not. Throwing you a curveball. What? No, it's time. It's time to listen to questions from the Grizz Fan Pod listeners. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna throw a new segment in here. And if you have questions for us, tweet them to us at Grizz Fan Pod yep. or it, text us. Yep. If you if you want it to stay <laughs> anonymous, you can you can you can tweet us. You can direct message us. You know, um, do whatever you need to do. Um, we could maybe someday rise to the level where this turns into voicemails from listeners because that could be a lot of fun. We're not there yet. In the meantime, <laughs> I have some questions for you guys. For us? Um, well, this is just for all of us. Oh, cool. So I'm going to you know, edit them because some of them, 
Not so bad. Um, as we head into conference, who scares you the most? Ooh. <sighs> Weber State. I think Weber State has the most ability to, to neutralize what we do well. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I think, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it could be maybe Davis. But I just, uh, we were, like, we can go offense for offense. I don't know if we can fully go defense for defense. Now, granted, Weber doesn't have a pass attack, right? So I don't None know. at all. I, I, no I one fucking scares me. Fuck that. We're the best. I ain't scared. No. <laughs> Obviously, Eastern Washington. Their is, offense, yeah. Is tough. I mean, we, we seem to be giving up a lot of yards through the air, which is difficult. Um, but I am. After Tucker Rovig appeared to be a decent quarterback this weekend, I really considered whether or not I'd go to MSU to watch the game so this year. Tucker Rovig looked damn good against a shitty opponent last year, too. So let's just pump the brakes. How are we that. not going to MSU to see the game this year? Because it's so painful to deal with those shitty asshole fans. <laughs> They're so petty. They can't like win and be cool about it. They got to be dickheads. Like, I would never talk shit if we won Cat Grizz at home. I would never yell at a random fan walking by uh, to suck my balls, which happened to me last year. <laughs> like, that is really? true. That is a I true would statement. I fight you yeah. if this was in a different situation for you saying <laughs> that to me. But you think you can get away with it here? Like, they're just such assholes. I was like, I don't know if I want to go to Bozeman this year. If we can get Logjam to throw in some tickets to whatever event they've got going on <laughs> oh, that night, yeah. that thing, maybe change your mind? That changed oh. change my mind. I'll be there. All right. Um, let's see. A few more here. What is the most reliable position group week in and week out this year? Receiver. Yeah. I think so. And that's the thing. Like, this last game, Smoratore drops some passes. Okay. Mitch Roberts, go. Eddie made some amazing plays. Yeah. It's receiver. If you are a lady in college, are you betting on Dante Olsen or the field? Dante Olsen. Dante Olsen. I mean, you are betting on Dante Olsen. Wait, wait. Because he seems like a good guy. (laughs) Does the field include Troy Anderson? I think the field include. well, oh, good question. I think the field would be any Grizz player. Grizz player, Dante. Here's the thing, though. We need to look at this analytically. (laughs) Like, I think, I think Colin Bingham is gonna be like a physician's assistant, like long term, thirty five years of of working. I think he might have a larger net worth. What do you think? I think Gabe Salser wants to go to med school after he's done. See, find the pre med guy, right? Find, <laughs> find the second string O lineman that's gonna go. <laughs> find the the business finance guy. Who's the kicker? Who's a who got a, the internship at Goldman Sachs? Oh, last, last year's year? punter, um, Williams. Eric Williams. Eric yeah, Williams. Yeah, Williams. Yeah, yeah. yeah, find that dude. Um, but Dante Olson's like a 4.0 student. I don't. I'm trying to really quickly find out what his friggin' major is here. But yeah, I, listen. That guy hard could, not to bet on Dante Olson there. That guy could just be go going to med school too. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> think about it. All right. Um, would you guys give up using your right hand for five years for a championship this year? See, I was willing to give up fingers last week, but I don't Hold think on. I could give up the whole but hand. Typing? Just think about it. Yeah, it'd be trouble. It'd be trouble. There's a lot of things I use my right hand for. 
my father's got the uh, two-handed peck down typing really fast, so... Okay. Fingers, you know, bing, bing, bing. For just one year, Chris Championship? Yep. Oh, for a year, yeah. I do it for a year. Okay. Five years, though? Five's a lot. That's a tall order. Yeah. One of our listeners sent me a text this week and wanted to know, what is James' favorite word to say when Sneed misses a throw? <laughs> um, James doesn't have words that he says in those situations because he doesn't completely put together like a play wasn't successful. Like he gets that it's not successful, but you know, he doesn't assign blame to anybody. I will say just as a caveat that James sitting next to his dad at Grizz football games is an education that I don't know he was old enough for, but this is his time. So haven't got a good solid motherfucker out of James yet. <laughs> I generally lean over the fence and shout that onto the field, so I don't know if he can hear it or not. Uh, you know, um, more likely scenario, Grizz win the league or Antonio Brown plays again this season. <laughs> Grizz win the Grizz league. Win the league. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, our friend DL from Washington, D.C. wants to know, I shouldn't say this out loud. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, next question. <laughs> Does Brent Pease look like a guy who would take a cart you were returning at the grocery store and ask, did you leave any gas in it? <laughs> what? What does that even mean? I don't know like what that Like dry means. dad jokes from Brent Pease? I got nothing. He definitely uh, looks like... Oh, Brent Pease has the like dad jokes. Dry dad jokes. Yeah. I could see it. Um, monog- monogamy isn't real, right? What? Silence. Luke, Silence here. Luke, Luke answer. Luke, Luke, go. Followed up very closely by, we aren't really meant to only be with one woman physically, right? <laughs> Who is texting us this? Is this DL again? No, this is isn't this DL. This is from the email. Isn't this it? is from the email. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Some of the emails aren't real. This is, uh, I think I know who this is. <laughs> Um, maybe this will wrap it up does Jeff Choate look like a guy who would leave his grocery cart in the middle of the parking lot without returning it to the cart corral it's lots of grocery cart questions yeah this is a grocery heavy show I got I actually got one um, (laughs) emailed directly to me I think Choate would put the cart back I think Choate's putting the cart back do it for his brothers Um, yeah, but he'd make a big point of yeah, he'd make underselling a, be, why he a, put it back. It'd be a video production, yeah. and then he'd get a different grocery cart. Because this week we have to prove that we're able to get the carts back inside. And then, like, what, what's, like, the opposite of a grocery cart? You know, like, he'd go get that and use that as a grocery cart. <laughs> He's got a dolly from the back. <laughs> so pile it on, guys. Put it on. So someone emailed me. Um, they said... Is it just me, or has Bobby Houck figured out how to just shrink the sleeves on his polos? <laughs> I will tell you, Bicep Brent made me sit in the front row of QB Club tonight. Bobby Houck wears tight-cut shirts. That man works out. You can tell he's been around college weight rooms his entire career. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. All I right. think this has got potential to be a good segment, guys. So... uh Drop us a line somewhere if you want it. You know, you can find us anywhere. Twitter, egris, text message, do whatever you need. Get some dating and monogamy advice. Wow. <laughs> Just ask Mike. Notice, wrong, wrong, notice wrong. how none of us had an answer to that question. Grocery like, cart. Uh, wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. <laughs> I think you dialed the wrong number. <laughs>
Well, uh, Mike, what time it is now is the checkdown. Ooh, high class this week. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Brent. <laughs> I was like, 10 minutes of searching there. I feel pretty good about that. All right, this is the segment where I ask Mike very quick questions in succession, and he gives us very quick answers. Okay. All right, Mike, are you ready? Yes. Are you more surprised the Grizz are 3-1 and one or the 49ers are 3-0? and oh? uh, 49ers are 3-0. and oh. Yankees and Astros both have 102 wins. However, the Yankees have played one more game. Who finishes with more wins? I think the Astros have an easier wrap-up to the schedule this week, so probably the Astros, unfortunately. What would be the subtitle to your autobiography? <laughs> oh, my God. All I'm thinking right now is... Bill Clinton wrote an autobiography and it was like because I can or something like that and then some one somebody used to work for wrote something like because he could I I have no idea what the subtitle <laughs> Michael Nugent <laughs> I have no clue Fire beware Fire, Fire beware, beware. <laughs> All right favorite sports movie Ooh, ooh, interesting. Um, you know, the program from the 80s was great. Yes. I think we talked about this last year on the pod. That was an underrated sports show or sports sports movie. Was that the one where they like had to re-edit it because guys were like, kids were like trying to mimic the guy laying in the street or something? It's possible, yeah. And they had the legit guy yeah. doing steroids and stuff like that. Yeah, they, they flirted with steroid use. Remember the short-lived um, drama series ESPN did on professional football, and the NFL pressured him to stop it because they thought that it put him in too bad of a light, even though they, it, quote, wasn't the NFL. I forget what that was called. I'll, it'll come to me no. later, and I'll bring it out there. But anyway, there you go. All right, Mike. Rumors say Jonah Hill is being cast in the new Batman. Will he be a villain? Yes. Will he be skinny Jonah Hill? Or Jonah the Whale? I think he will be in between Jonah Hill, who comes out and... Um, hmm. You know what? I want the Joker to come back. It's a new Batman, right? Mm-hmm. Are there too many Batman movies? Yes. Is, Is this Ben Affleck Batman? I think so. Okay. I no, no, no. It. It's not anymore. It's not? Wow. No. So we're weird? two... We are two Batman removed from Christian Bale? They should have stopped messing with it after that. Those ones were well done. Okay. Um, is Batman just Inspector Gadget with dead parents? <laughs> and more money. Robert yeah. Pattinson is the new Batman. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> That's what Google's The Twilight guy? Me. That's what Google's telling me. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Mike, yes or no Vaseline? No. Okay, I, I thought so. <laughs> I don't know where we're going here. <laughs> Have you bought any Halloween candy yet? No. I did today. Uh, Greta Thunberg, <laughs> environmentalist and world traveler, sailed to America to yell at adult men. Mike, how many consecutive days would you be willing to sail completely separated from the internet for the Grizz to win Cat Grizz this year? Ooh. 
I mean, I would I would willingly do a few weeks. That's at least twenty one days. Yeah. Nice. That's commitment. That's respectable. That's commitment. Wow. Grizz fans, the, the bar has been set. Okay, Mike. The the University of Montana has been uh, your home, both figuratively and literally. As an RA, you spent many years living in the residence halls. What's your favorite dorm? Little known fact. Miller Hall. Okay. There's no doubt. Miller no Hall. Doubt. Miller Hall is the best uh, residence hall on campus. Uh, Mike, describe marriage in four words. Wonderful, exciting, energetic. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that concludes the check down. Interesting? Interesting. Monogamous? <laughs> <laughs> you know how interesting monogamy is, Brent? <laughs> Oh, man. I'm still trying to think of my autobiography title. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, thanks, Mike. That was fun. Mike Nugent, tough choices. <laughs> like, what did he do? What did he do? Well, he sold real estate. Oh. oh. He had to do the check down all the time. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think this takes us to uh, the game this week. Davis. So, Brent, you've... Uh, You've dutifully released your rundowns. So why don't you tell us about them a little bit? Yeah. All right. UC Davis Aggies. Uh, of course, this is a team that we all are quite familiar with. Last year, they came to Washington Grizzly. We were holding a comfortable 21-3 to lead. And Davis rattled off 43 unanswered points in the second half to beat the complete shit out of the Grizz. And um, it was one of the many, you know, uh, Grizz leads that just melted away. Uh, so uh, we're familiar with this team. Of course, they are. They return a lot of guys. They've got a pretty experienced O line. Uh, Jake Meyer, Mayor Meyer, their uh, their QB is was voted the what a preseason conference MVP. I can't. I don't think he won MVP at the end of the season last year, though. Did he? I can't remember. Did he? Yeah, he did. I right. Think he did. Yeah. So obviously they're they're down. Uh, they're, they're replacing a couple skill guys on offense, but they got Gilliam at uh, at running back, who's kind of a dual threat guy, and uh, who we saw last year kind of break out as a freshman. And then Jared Harrell was their their kind of number two wide receiver, who's now their 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 main dude. But this is a team that. On the front end, we got to go there. We got to go play them. Uh, this is a this is a pass heavy team. Um, it's it's one of these ones. There's going to be some some there's some similarities that we see. They do a lot of eleven personnel, three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back. Uh, so they do a lot of stuff like that. So there's going to be a lot of similar approaches in terms of offenses that you see between the two. But we know we we've seen Jake Meyer before. Like we know what this guy does. He is. He's one of these guys that makes a lot of throws, especially in the face of pressure. He doesn't get rattled. And so much like last week with Monmouth, he's going to be a guy that's going to be on the money more often than not. So it's going to be – this is an incredibly tough matchup. And then to go on the road. And so I think we were we were seeing it right. Cruiser seven-point underdogs uh, as of Monday evening. So tough challenge right out gate. Does – Jake Mayer Meyer have some favorite targets. Like who who does he throw to 
Like, can we key on certain guys, or is, no. does he distribute the ball all over? I mean, so he's got – no, he's got three wide receivers and one, t- one tight end, and all of them share, like, a, a, a load of the catches. And then Gilliam, the running back, catches a ton of passes too. So That guy's a junior, sophomore? He's a sophomore, yeah. Sophomore? So we're going to see him for years to come. But, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, Harrell, uh, number two, Crawford, number six – uh, and then they got a tight end, number 87, and then they got another receiver. Uh, I think he's, like, number nine or something. I mean, it, it, he spreads the ball around. So, like, with their, with their running back, um, Gillum, yeah. he's good enough, or they're efficient enough on the ground game where, like, despite how much they pass, like, they're, they pass more than any other team mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. But they're good enough on the ground where – they keep you honest. Yeah, they do. Uh, their thing, they've got just one back, and it's really Jake Myers not a running threat. So um, in terms of comparing the two offenses, Montana to Davis, Montana has more, I guess, depth and dimension to what they can bring to the table with with Knight and Osmo and Snead as runners. And we have – a deeper receiver core that we can rely on. But Davis has great skill, good speed, senior QB that puts the ball in the right spot all the time. Again, another QB club thing. We saw one clip. This isn't some top secret secret clip, but uh, a screen pass, Mike, that one where Meyer just audibles to a screen and just throws the ball. Blind blind this guy was going to be there. And Gilliam catches it, and it's like he's being blanketed by two NDSU defenders with the balls right on the money, and away he goes. So, I mean, this is a team that they just – they know – he knows where his guys are going to be all the time when he lets the ball go. That's what I noticed about him. What I noticed about him last year was his sort of quarterback sense. Yeah. Several times last year, he, you know, he rolled out of the pocket just right – at the perfect moment when our pressure was coming from the backside, you, you hear quarterback coach talk, quarterback coaches talk about that, like sensing the pressure. He has a, a true sixth sense, um, and he's not afraid to get hit. And he's not afraid to get hit. Like I just, I I don't know. I think um, if we have any difficulty rushing the passer, um, I think. I think it's going to be tough. I think he might be able to pick us apart a little bit. Yeah, he, uh, he will. I mean, the Grizzly defense is averaging, allowing like 340 pass yards per game or something. Um, so it's, uh, what is it for the Grizz? It's 324, 324. So, I mean, he's going to make his money in the air. One it, thing I did notice, he's got seven passing touchdowns, five interceptions. Yeah. Do you think that is just a anomaly, sort of an artifact um, will he settle in, or is do you think if we win the you know we have a chance to win the turnover battle? I mean, we do. Grizz are plus one on the season, where uh, Davis is plus two. Uh, but yeah, Myers thrown five picks this year. Um, what Davis has done on the flip side is they're really good at forcing fumbles this year. They've already recovered seven in four games. So um, there, there's going to be a task for Montana to protect the ball. Dalton Sneed needs to slide. Uh, but uh, but it seems like Myers, much like Dalton Sneed, maybe putting a few more passes in situations where they're getting picked. So there could be some good opportunities for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's gonna be interesting. I 
So I obviously I picked us to lose this game, and we went through it preseason, and you both picked us to win. Yep. Yeah. After Oregon, I actually was thinking, you know what? I think we can go do it. And then this weekend, I it's just hard to read what this team is after this weekend. It is. It is. It's a tough, and it's just a tough game to call. I I think that we're going to rise to the occasion to an extent and make it competitive. We'll wait until the picks for to, for me to feel like I have to make a decision because I don't know yet. But, um, you know, we've been pretty dominant in fourth quarters. Like last game, we had the ball for nine over nine minutes in the fourth quarter. I think we've only given up 14 points all year in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's true. I love our, I love our ability to hit a home run in special teams. I think things like that matter in, mm-hmm. in games like this on the road. Um, gives giving us short fields, allowing us to maybe chip in a couple field goals here and there. All that stuff goes a long way. We've got some advantages. Um, Dave, where do you think those lie? Well, so Davis's defense is allowing, I believe, I mean, 166 per game on the ground. So a classic Bobby game. This could be a whole lot of handoffs to Osmo and Knight to slow the game down. Um keep the ball out of the Davis offense. Of course, that can backfire on you, right? You you go you you go eight plays, you cross midfield but you still punt and then they score a touchdown in five plays, then you're you're in a hole. But uh the other thing is is Davis's kick and punt coverage units don't statistically look that good. Now, it could be a few things, but I mean giving us a short field. So Davis presumably is going to be either if they can't kick that ball out of bounds, they're going to be squibbing it up like Monmouth did or pump, you know, pumping it up, punching it up in the air and then probably putting punts out of bounds uh, and taking some, some net punting off too. So, yeah. So we, the recipe for the win is we start with a shorter field mm-hmm. and maybe grind, grind the clock down a little bit, a little bit. We maybe win the turnover battle. Hope you always hope to win that battle. It would help. Absolutely. And with that recipe, if Dalton Sneed, continues to to make right reads we we score some points we do and and this is the thing like this year like last year's grizz the only way they would be able to win that game was keep away right because mm-hmm. last year's grizz could not get in a shootout with davis this year's grizz could right like they could get in a shootout and be in the game till the end so I, that that's the interesting thing about this game score points we're balanced yeah, enough. The best yeah to, to give our receivers and Dalton Sneed a chance through the air. Yeah. We were kind of talking about this with Sneed, but kind of as on the offense as a whole. I feel like Grizz fans are so difficult to please that we're not recognizing how good this offense could be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it, it's going to be an interesting game. I think with, uh, obviously, we're the underdogs. And seven points did I see? Seven points, yeah. So, but it's one of these things where you're gonna, you're not gonna have, um, it's it, we gotta play close to a perfect game as best as possible in <laughs> September. Do you think Bobby's been saving anything for this game? Had to be, and that was the thing. I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but I think this Monmouth game we put a lot of stuff to prepare for on film, and so. Yeah, that throwback pass, we barely t- we barely talked about it in the recap, but I mean, Sneed 
throwing a lateral to Torre, who threw a touchdown to Bingham. I mean, that being on film is a huge deal for what we do on offense. Oh, yeah. Well, and then the Deming touchdown, too. With uh, And you're seeing more of these now where you have the tight end kind of uh, fooling uh, the de- defense, throwing, you know, showing a block and then moving to get open and things like that. So I think a lot of stuff got put on film for this game that's going to make it tougher to prepare for Davis. But they're they're a damn good team. They're an experienced team. They didn't lose any ranking for their loss to North Dakota State. Which Nor should they. They shouldn't have, yeah. So um, this is going to be this is going to be one of these things where I – I feel like there's a lot of things that set up good for the Grizz. What's what's crazy is, who do you think averages more passing yards per game? I think, right? Well, I guess if you didn't factor in Oregon, I'd say the Grizz. Factor in Oregon, it's still the Grizz. Really? Yeah, by two yards. But still, I mean, <laughs> you still, people wouldn't expect that. It was like, so the Grizz actually, and then once you put the run, rushing yards in, the Grizz actually outgain Davis on average of, almost 35 yards per game Hmm. not a ton but it's like and so it's like okay well davis played cal north dakota state well they also played lehigh and um and uh, san diego san diego and so you know davis eked out a san diego win on a controversial fumble so um they don't look like this world beater team that is going to be someone where um we're just so mismatched. So it, it, as I was putting all this together and looking through this and looking at this team, I I feel more confident in my pick that the Grizz can win this game. And I think, I think it's going to be tough. But Davis is – some interesting things, though. They're not great on third down, either side of the ball. They, they allow quite a bit of conversions. And they're not on offense. They're 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 okay, but I mean their defense is allowing conversions forty four percent of the time. Yeah, looking at their statistics, it's not good. Don't it's not, scream to me no. like this is the number four team in the country. It looks like they run a three four. You know, like kind of yeah, kind of. They don't have a lot of like senior junior depth in their starters. Uh, of the guys who have played or started all four games, I mean you're looking at. Two juniors, two seniors. Like I, I'm not super impressed with yeah. with what they bring on the defensive end of the ball. Yeah, we'll we'll pick them obviously uh, in the end. Although we know Brent's because he put it out there already. <laughs> um, but uh, any thoughts on any final thoughts on Davis? Well, the other the other kind of fascinating thing. So they're not that great converting third downs either, but they have already attempted 19 fourth down conversions which is crazy like i almost <laughs> saw that and i thought it was a miss converted 11 like, that is 11 crazy. of 19 yeah so um uh, they had quite a few i think in one of their games like uh lehigh yeah so of their 11 of 19 they went six for nine on fourth down against lehigh what i'm guessing maybe uh body bag game you've already kicked the shit out of them so it's like you know what it's fourth and one it's the second third string like just hand the damn ball off yeah but it's tough to say not really having picked that game apart too hard but um not the toughest oregon was the toughest game on the record but in terms of like winnable games um this is toughest game as of yet of course and i think the thing like a lot of grizz fans need to realize and i i feel like most do this would be a awesome game to win. It's not a must win. Um, Don't panic. It, season's still in front no, of us. No, yeah. And so in a lot of Hawks seasons, we see Grizz with some mo- momentum, hit the road, 
Yeah. It is on paper buzz, huh? the Grizzlies' toughest conference road game. Yeah. On paper. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Cats, obviously, but I think I, I put that in a different category. Right. Anything can happen in the Cat Grizz game. Right. Um, yeah. So. so, but yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I think a Davis, a loss at Davis is not the end of the world, of course, right? We'd be three and two. We'd have everything still in front of us. Um, but it, if you can come out of this with a win, I mean, which I believe the Grizz can do, it would be, it really set the tone. And um, we'll see. We've got some youth. They've got a lot of, they've got a lot of good experience in a lot of spots. Their defense has some holes in it, though. Um, they've got some playmakers. They've got some good dudes in the secondary, especially, and some good edge rushers. So um, Davis will be ready. They, um, I, I don't know. Like I said earlier, hopefully that NDSU hangover is we'll see. hitting them hard. So Davis ranked number four nationally. Um, Montana State is number seven. It's their highest since 2013. Um, Weber State crept into the top five. So they're number five. So we've got the Big Sky Conference has four, five, and seven. Um, Grizz are 18, and Eastern Washington is 21. Yep. Idaho also getting votes. If the Grizz win this game, where do they go? I think that if the Grizz win this game, they'll make a decent jump in the polls because I feel like the pollsters are – waiting for the Grizz to have that statement win. Like, they're hanging around, they're yeah. creeping up a little bit, but if they had a statement win, I think you see them jump. Top I mean, 10? Top 10. I bet. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that they should, because, you know, I mean, that would be an impressive win early in the season. And the other thing, I mean, we're going to get into it as we look at some of these, but um, there's a lot of top 25 matchups this week, too. And, like, one of them, number nine, UNI, plays Weber State. So there's going to be there, – so one of those two is going to lose. There's going to be spots. There's going to be opportunities for the Grizz to hop in, assuming they win. If the – oh, go ahead. I, was gonna, I think where you're going, if the Grizz lose, I don't think we're falling out of the top 25. I would hope not. Oh, my God. No. I mean, I bet we fall into the 23, 24, 25 range. Which is fine. Which, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, if Montana State is the perennial preseason national champion – Northern Iowa is the perennial early season national champion. They are always ranked high early in the season and fall off. UNI in the FCS and Texas in the FBS. They're always kind of right there, right? Like 10 to 20, and then they like lose three in a row. Yeah. And... Notre Dame. <laughs> oh, yeah, Notre Dame. There's another one. They, they had a hell of a game this weekend. Georgia. Pass me a beer, please. You got it. Thank you, sir. Got another prickly pear on the way. We like it. Um, I think that about wraps up Davis. I think so. Yeah. Which brings us to the most important segment of every week on this show. The BWRRRRR. We need some we need some some echoing. We need some better sound effects. So the BWR has its origins in like the QBR, the quarterback ranking. We want to know on various topics, what is the Brent Wahlberg ratings? <laughs> so that that's where we that's got where the we're at. You are it's pretty. That's pretty simple. Did you prepare any questions? I, you know, I've got a few ready. I don't know if you do. I prepared four. All right. Oh my god. Right. <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll lead off with an easy one for you. Oh, wonderful. Top five big sky mascots. Excluding. Grizz? Well, you can do whatever you want. 
do whatever I want. All right. Uh, let's see. I don't know. Okay. Uh, you don't know. Well, what? Who the number hell? one is fucking Monty. Well, yeah, number one's Monty, but you got to pick four Seriously, others. Did you not watch the Mike Leach press conference this week? Oh, where he talked about the bear. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Talked, but he gave the Grizz a lot of props. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, no, I can't say Portland State because it's a Viking and I'm a Packer fan, so that doesn't, you know. Uh, so, I don't know. Sacramento State Hornets, they're kind of neat, right? And then uh, Weaver State Wildcats, their mascot's like super fucking cute. My daughter's like I know. That we, guy. Is, we tweeted about sometimes that. Sometimes these questions come from things you bring up in your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, boy, yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, the Eastern Washington Eagle, like their little EW thing, you know, that that's kind of cool. I don't know. It's not really their mascot. You know, uh, NAU's Lumberjack, the big fist. I think people call him fisty. I tell you, I went to a game at the, the, the walk-up Sky Dome, and they, they literally saw a log every time they NAU scores a touchdown. Oh, God. We got crushed. It was terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it doesn't sound good either. I've been to a few Portland State before they got kicked out of the soccer stadium. And what was funny was is, you know, because the Timbers – they saw a log there too, but for Portland State football, the friggin' Timbers dude shows up. So it's like, why the fuck are the Vikings sawing a log? And then the Portland fans are like, oh, that's the Timbers. We like them more than the Vikings. So it's like, oh, okay. it's going down. Yeah. We're just here because we thought it was a soccer game. <laughs> All right, you kind of answered that, but the Bengals, dude. The oh, Tiger? Yeah. No. Yeah. A tiger? I don't, I mean, I. I not setting my distaste for the University of Idaho side. I think the Vandals is a great mascot. What was the boy the thing they tour the Vandals or just uh, uh I can't remember. There's something about like that the mascot thing or something about Boise State. It's like the Vandals are just like uh, I can't remember what it is. Nah, I'm gonna screw the whole thing up. I was I was more prepared for this when I didn't have like four beers in me. Vikings with without boats or something. Boats. I think that's what we, it was. We will award you the points though for <laughs> not once mentioning MSU in this. Well, I'm not gonna mention nice Yeah, that was my youngest daughter. We're doing a reading, and it's about a little boy that um, moves to a new city and gets to play on a new baseball team called the Bobcats. And she's like, yuck. Did you send a note to her teacher and say, who is a Bobcat? This filth. Oh, I've, I have complained. Do we need to call Dr. Rising? The teacher complain? will be fired. The teacher. <laughs> no, there's a lot of Bobcat teachers at my uh, daughter's school. So it's fine. They're wonderful teachers. Just the Bobcat. Are they Brent? The Bobcat paraphernalia is too high. <laughs> Sorry. I was just imagining what the, what, what the double A rankings would be like? We've done this for small town high schools. We should we we'll file that one away because yeah. that could be a good one. Hey Luke, uh, who won the uh, <coughs> old Shelby Centerville game this week? Hey Brent, Logjam <laughs> presents <laughs> has changed Missoula for the better. <laughs> you asshole! <laughs> Name your top five musical acts that you would like to see Logjam bring to Missoula. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, uh, let's see. So, like anybody. Anybody. Okay. This is going to give my music taste away pretty bad. But, uh, Chingy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's four. I'm trying to be diverse with this, but uh, I really like rap music. 
I'm a 40 year old guy, almost 40 year old guy that loves rap music. You used to be a DJ. And so I used to be a DJ. That's why I know the soundboard. Uh, but um, like, my, like current, up like J. Cole or Kendrick Lamar, like those two, like they're like the peak of like current rap that aren't mumble rap. Um, to see them in concert would be incredible. I think, um, I don't know, like like a showman like Bruno Mars, I think would be oh that would be a, a show. wildly fun show, right? And then I don't know, Justin Timberlake is like seems like a cool well, you show kind of guy. I didn't think you'd yeah, know and so um, that's four, right? You put and Taylor so, Swift in here, and I just <laughs> newfound respect for you. Fuck it, Taylor Swift. Yes, <laughs> logjam. You heard it here. <laughs> I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> Take my daughters to that. They love the I show. I bet you would put on a great show. <laughs> I'm sure it would be a phenomenal like, show. Like that's my thing. I mean, it's not like, Beyonce caliber, but who is? Oh my god, overrated. All right, Taylor Swift's <laughs> out. Beyonce, if she came, if Beyonce came to like the Kettle House yeah. Amphitheater and did like her homecoming, uh, 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 Coachella performance there. Holy fuck. Okay, okay. You've got T Swift at Big Sky. <laughs> You've got Beyonce at Kettle House. Queen Bee. Same night. Queen Bee. Well, we are a logjam podcast, so we're going to the we're going to the Kettle House. <laughs> Queen Bee. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, there we go. All right. We're done, right? Uh no, we're not. <laughs> Brent, uh, we were talking before we started recording about how you know, as adults, we will drink good beer, but in college, you didn't realize how bad the beer you were drinking is, <laughs> yeah. um, or prior. So, give us your top five worst beers. Oh my god! Okay, uh, Milwaukee's Best Light. Ooh, it's not your best. Hitting, hitting close to your familial home. Ice House. Ooh. <laughs> ice in the hose. Uh, do you remember Bud Light Ice? I don't. No. Yeah, you guys are too young. Um, <laughs> I definitely remember Ice House. A lot of natty oh, ice. Wait, okay. I'm, my, I'm, my, I'm, uh, I'm three my in. Past. Um, Mickey's? Yeah, yeah. I've, had, I've had that. Uh, and I'm torn. Uh, I want to say Schmidt. But I think I'm gonna go with Old English, because I have done Edward Ooh. Forty Hands, Ooh. and it didn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> it did not end well. <laughs> That's the night. I, I yeah. <laughs> My wife was. We were not dating at this point. She was in attendance at this event, and I was quite the sight. You obviously won her over. You're happily married not with three that, kids. Not, yeah, not at that night. I didn't. <laughs> Despite that night. I just knew I... I think that I, was I like... I knew I loved him when he did Edmund I think Ford. I think it was like when, when my buddies tried to set me up on a date with her, like, months later, she was like, that was the guy drinking Old English at the party that was throwing up all night. And I was like, yeah, that was me. That was me. So. O.E. Fair. Uh, Brent, today is the September equinox, meaning it's fall. There, in theory, is just as much light as there is day. And since everyone says you're a true autumn, what? tell us your top five pumpkin spice-flavored goods. <laughs> <laughs> um, coffee, bread, cake, uh, 
Oh, not beer. No, I've had that. That's so bad. Um, what else is there? Cookies. Oh yeah, cookies. Cookies make cookies number one. My wife makes them. All right, no, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, what's the most famous pumpkin spice? Well, I said coffee. I mean, like, like a latte. Did you? Yeah, I said coffee. Okay. Yeah, I said coffee. He is a white bitch. <laughs> 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 Cookies number one. Okay. Pumpkin. All right. All right. Fair enough. We got it. All right. You sit down at a beer. <laughs> Excuse me. You sit down at a bar. A bar. Mm. Top five things you are most likely to order. Um, a Manhattan. Yeah. Wait, wait. Okay, five to one or one to five? Doesn't Man- matter. Just Manhattan's one. Okay. Manhattan's Number one. one. Number one's Manhattan. Um, cheese curds. Oh. Wings. A beer. What beer? Um. Brent, these are right important now, questions. Right now, right now, a Kettle House Honey Half. All right, um, I like it. I like or, it. Or or a, or or a, or a Coors Light, if it's Whoa. you know, if I got stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or you know, depending on the bar, like if I'm in the old Mo Club, I'm gonna get a burger. Yeah, all right. I'd like to imagine Brent ordering a Manhattan with cheese curds. <laughs> There's one and two. You have not seen me at Buffalo Wild Wings then. <laughs> Give me Manhattan. And cheese curds. Does, can you Does give me Buffalo a Manhattan? Wild Wings do a good Manhattan? Because I really like a Manhattan, but it's got to be from a establishment that has the proper ice. Yeah, no, fuck no. What's in a Manhattan? Booze. Um, thank you. So <laughs> spirits. It's it's a it's a two to one ratio. Your father happy to tell me. It's, it's a two to one ratio of bourbon, either rye whiskey or Kentucky bourbon, with sweet vermouth, splash bitters, maraschino cherry. But you got to put it on the big ice cube because you put in all the little ice cubes or whatever, or you put it in the weird, stupid glass. And it's Do you just... have to also put on your monocle? Jesus. It's <laughs> so damn good. Um, Luke and I recently had dinner with the mayor of Missoula. Did he? Oh. Um, he, he did not. But I no, would that's tell right. you Sorry, I went, that yeah. I had a Manhattan. Nice. And the mayor of Missoula trolled me. For a good five minutes. It was really fun. On the ordering of the Manhattan. Love him or hate him, the mayor is hilarious. <laughs> and pretty he funny. can bust your balls. <laughs> I've been in a meeting or two where he's uh, kind of been on you. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. Well, he, I, I don't think it's limited to just me. You know, people in general. Give me a Manhattan and your f- best fried cheese, please. <laughs> Top shelf. $20 Manhattan and $2 curds. <laughs> Okay, Brent, here's mine. As you clearly know, ESPN's body issue came out earlier this month. What are the five athletes you would most like not to see featured in the ESPN body issue? I don't know, like starting five O-line for any team? <laughs> <laughs> Warren Sapp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go on. Uh, what was what was the uh the Baltimore uh Saragusa? Tony Saragusa. <laughs> the goose. <laughs> oh man. Or then you get like a kicker that's just like just like skin and just like spindly little dude. I was thinking like Bryant Reeves. Do you remember <laughs> from the the he's the NBA player for the Vancouver Grizzlies, remember him? Big Country, Bryant Reeves. Mm-hmm. Oh no! 
Oh boy. Who would be your worst five? This needs to be an egress. That's question. the egress question. Who's your your worst five in the body issue? Yeah, like who, your, what oh athletes would you not want to see in the body issue? All right. Oh man, it sounds. It's, it's, you know, it's you can think of some Olymp- rough. You can think of some Olympic sports. You know, like the men's curling team, or which is just like a bunch of dads like pushing. <laughs> Guys from Detroit, he had to take three weeks off for the Olympics. <laughs> okay, Brent, last one. Oh, fuck. Unless Mike... Nope, nope, you're up. Okay, thank God. I need you to think carefully about this one, Mike. Or Brent. Yeah, you have Mike. You have to say three things, though. This is a top three. And this is for all of our Twitter followers. <laughs> oh, it's important. All right, I'm ready. Brent, you've been kidnapped. Okay. Your kidnappers allow you to keep tweeting to pretend everything is all right. Oh, yeah. What would you tweet that would alarm your followers without the kidnappers knowing oh. that you're really asking for help? Okay, so... See, you kind of threw the... Yeah, so the kidnappers are following me. Because I was just going to be like, you know, go cats, go Vikings. They, they say, and... Brittany, you got to keep tweeting. You're a prolific tweeter. What would you tweet that wouldn't raise the alarm bells of your kidnappers, but would let your true followers know something is awry? All right. I know what mine would be. <laughs> well, I, I want to hear yours. Oh, yours that too. Uh, it would obviously mostly be sports-related uh, type references where I would have to give some sort of backhanded praise or suggestion to either the Green Bay Packers or the uh Montana Grizzlies, you know, hiring a or bringing in a rival player or something like if only the Grizz had uh, Tucker Rovig. Yeah, see that'd be that'd be a dead giveaway though, wouldn't it? Like if Rovig was QB, we'd be better. I don't know. But that's a tough one without like a dead giveaway because dead giveaway would be like go Vikings, go Cats, and um, boy, that Rush Limbaugh guy makes a lot of sense. <laughs> 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 and uh, people would be like, "What the fuck? Something's wrong. Something's What's wrong. Up? <laughs> Something's wrong." Call the cops. Nice. <laughs> what would you say, <laughs> hey guys? I've had time to think about it, and I really have come to the conclusion that that Dalton Sneed Grass Jensen QB competition was legit and fair. <laughs> <laughs> oh you guys would know. I thought you were gonna trash monogamy or something. <laughs> <laughs> What if I came out, I tweeted, and I was suddenly like, fuck Centerville. <laughs> ah, Something's wrong with Brent. Something's up. <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> well, I think that concludes the BWR. <laughs> that was fun. Sorry, the pod dog has decided to make a visit here. Pod dog woke up. Yeah. It's like, oh, you guys are here. All right. Um, let's go into this week's picks. We've got a slate of games. And um, you two went ahead. And you guys were even last week because you picked picked the exactly same damn games. The same. Yeah. I picked NAU to beat um, Illinois State. Okay, uh, which didn't happen. So I lost last last week by one. This week we have Portland State going to Idaho State. Hmm. Hmm. This is. It feels like a coin flip. Like neither team has. Sh- both team has had a loss, a good loss. 
I guess I'll pick Idaho at home or I, Idaho State. At I was home. gonna I was gonna pick Idaho. Uh, same. I'm the same. I'd pick Idaho State too. Just Portland State's good loss was Week One against Arkansas, and they've really not shown much against quality opponents since. Where Idaho State has kind of shown a little bit of improvement. So Idaho State. I'm picking Portland State. Nice. Oh, all right. I like right. it. There's nothing on the line, and I can't stand picking the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. fair. Portland, I think Portland State is more frisky than we think. All right. Okay, then we have Idaho traveling to Greeley to take on Northern Colorado. Wouldn't this be the ultimate letdown game? <laughs> what would we think if Idaho lost this game? I just want to follow Chris and Brian on Twitter. <laughs> They're fun to follow. I wonder what the line is on this game. Uh... I was tweeted the line. I, I don't know if it was top 25 or it was a I big sky. I think it's Idaho negative 11. Nah, notable games. Yeah, I don't know. Why can't we bet on on college football in Montana? We need people to better lobby the uh, state legislature to explain how college betting works. Well, I, I texted some of our degenerate gambler friends um, earlier today. The line is 11. Idaho, obviously. And they said it's legal to bet on college sports in Montana, but it's just not possible yet. That's right. Didn't there was a well, there was a pass. Yeah, it, they right, passed yeah. it, but they awarded the like it was a one contract thing, and they awarded it to the lottery system. Who knows? Yeah, um, they said that the lottery is still putting together the regulations. You know what, guys? I'm picking Northern Colorado. Oh my god, that's I'm picking crazy. Northern Colorado. I'm going Idaho. Oh my god, Mike's. Uh, Mike picking chalk <laughs> Nugent is going Idaho. No, he's going Northern, Northern Colorado. Colorado. Northern Colorado. I'm he's going only, Idaho. He's only picked chalk the whole season. Uh, I'm going to go Idaho. There's no way they're losing this game. Wait, did they're in really hurt? Uh, I think he was a little shaken up. I don't think he left the game. Okay, okay. He'll only be able to throw the ball five yards across the line <laughs> of scrimmage now. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> He'll ring the bell with the left hand. <laughs> uh, all right, next game. Northern Iowa goes to Weber State. Interesting game. It is. I'm going to pick Weber because I want it to be Weber. But that's a tough one. Weber's had a week off too, right? They're on mm-hmm. a bye. And you and I had apparently a tough game against Idaho State. I'll pick you and I. I think, um, yeah, I think maybe you and I was looking ahead a little bit, and sometimes teams coming off a bye are a little rusty, and I just don't. I'm like Weber State's biggest fanboy and Jay Hill's biggest fanboy, but uh, just for fun, I'm going to pick you and I. I'm going to go with Weber. All right, a little variety this week. Yeah. I don't know. Weber's at home. Okay. I believe in the big sky. Next, we have Cal Poly going to Southern Utah. <laughs> Cal Poly. A giant meteor? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> How like, many people will attend this I was going to say, in in teams we would like to both disappear from the conference for 500, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Some like onion article where it was like uh like 
you know, Southern Utah delays game for their one fan to show up. (laughs) (laughs) That would be an amazing (laughs) onion headline. Well, it was one. It was like, it was something, it was like Miami Marlins delay game, waiting for a fan to get through traffic or something. Um, Cal Poly, I guess, goofy offense. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to take Cal Poly too. I am not a... I'm not a believer in Southern Utah. Mike? Uh, I pick Cal Poly. You pick Cal Poly too. Yep. All right. The next game we have is Northern Arizona goes to MSU. You know, I passed through Bozeman this weekend on the way to Billings for a wedding, and it took all my self-control not to drive to MSU's campus and just clog a toilet (laughs) (laughs) i really want to pick nau in this game the weather shows it might get to 40 and it's supposed to rain all day that just sets up great for msu i mean and we we talk about nau now granted they were on the road the week before against illinois state but um, it seems like when nau gets out of the the confines of their dome. They're not as good. Case Cookus. <sighs> he's healthy ish. Yeah, I didn't help him last week. Oh, man, I don't know. Like this is I'm picking NAU. I said it before the season started. I'm picking NAU. I'm cheering for NAU. I'm absolutely cheering for NAU, but I'm picking so... the cat I'm picking the cats. And I'm picking Montana State. I want to say this is mostly about how much you believe in Tucker Rovig. Yeah, and Mike said he was a good dude. No, I'm good here. I'm half full still. I'm picking the Cats. You're going to pick Tucker Rovig over, over Case Cookus. I'm, I'm going to pick that Cat defense and the Cat ground game, Troy Anderson, and... If Isaiah Fonse is back, but it doesn't matter. It seems like they just snap another running back in and they're fine. Um, in a shitty weather against NAU, who isn't that good in the cold. Yeah, Cats. I just don't believe that everything is going to fall in place perfectly for the Grizz. And everything falling in place perfectly would probably mean MSU losing. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not saying my pick is rational. Yeah. MSU's going to win this game, and I don't want it to happen. Uh, But I'm going to go with the home team. Okay, guys. That leaves only Montana going to UC Davis. On the road... On Root yeah. Sports TV. Oh crap! It's on Root. Yep. Uh oh. Okay. Isn't whose Root... house can I come over to? Come over here. All right. Cool. Isn't um? I put something in a crock pot. You can come too. Can I put? Some... Can I come too? Yeah. Can I bring something? Well, look. Can I bring some steaks? A live Grizz fan. Yes, you can. <laughs> we'll have a live Grizz fan pod watch party. I bought a, I bought a half beef and. And I have a girlfriend who no longer lives here. <laughs> so They're just, still on good terms, guys. Don't worry yeah, about we're it. We're still on good terms, but yeah, I'm eating a lot of meat by myself. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, isn't Ty Gregorak now 
Oh, he's the color announcer. The color yeah. guy for Is he for Root? <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be fascinating. I think Jason Styles is gone. It's Tom Collins and Ty Gregorak. Hmm. Perfect. I love it. I like it. I want Ty Gregorak and Mick Delaney. That'd be a hell of a TV duo. Oh, don't, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> um, Davis and the Grizz. Davis and the Grizz, Mike. So I picked Davis to, to win this game when we went through the schedules. You guys both both picked the Grizz to win this game. That's yep. right. Yep. I, listening to Bobby this week, feel like he's got a calm confidence about him. Like he knows something we don't know, which is exactly the opposite of what Brent interpreted for him <laughs> yeah. in the same room. Um, I'm going to pick the Grizz. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I would like you to start following me around in my office with those, please. <laughs> Make a good point at an office meeting. Can I get an, interpre- pew, pew, pew. Can I get an interpretation on this inspection at the end of You have an assistant, Mike. You need to make sure that your assistant has this. She's a little overqualified. <laughs> uh, I'm going Grizz. I, I think um, Grizz need to get probably over 40 points to win this game. I think they can do it. I think it's going to be close. Last team with the ball. Um, I like more of our total weapons on offense, even though I think Davis has a little bit better skill, guys. Defense might do just enough. Grizz are going to win. You're up, Luke. You know, I, I was thinking, like, the gambler in me would say, well, I, want, I think the Grizz are going to make the playoffs. And that's kind of the premise with which I was picking the games at the start of the season. And I picked the Grizz. I was like, they're going to need to win this game. They, But now that they went 3-1 in the preseason, I'm thinking, like, they don't have to win this game. You made this point. Yeah. And this isn't a game we should overreact to. Um, so maybe I could, like, be uh, – I could hedge my bets and pick them to lose, and they could still make the playoffs. But also, when I – when I view like my expectations of this team from the start of the season, if I were to say like our offensive line is going to be much better, yep. uh, Dalton Sneed is going to still be solid. Uh, our secondary, like we have had the emergence of like some pretty decent play back there, some cornerback play. Special teams game is light years ahead of where I thought it would be. If I pick the Grizz at the start of the season, not knowing all of the good things that have happened in this first four, right? why wouldn't I pick them now? And for that reason, I think I have to pick the Grizz because they are probably ahead of schedule. There are less holes in this Grizz team than what I anticipated. Good point. At kickoff. Good point. Yeah, yeah. I think the Grizz are uh, not a paper tiger. I think that they're going to be getting better every week, which is what happens when you have good coaching. And we know that no, probably no other team in the in the FCS has more experience and depth at the coaching position across the board. Um, Bobby has put tons of Montana athletes into the NFL because he's a great coach. He can mm-hmm. teach football to athletes, and I think that's what he's doing right now. Uh, 
Big Sky Conference is on notice. Grizz are going to win this game. Love it. I like it. Anything else, guys? There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Only the important stuff. (laughs) Yeah. It's all from you, Brent. Good to go. All right. If we uh, know you, we'll talk to you sooner. If not, we will uh, see you uh, next week. Go Grizz. Fight on. Fight on.